Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. We're so glad you joined us today. It's our prayer that this message is a blessing and encouragement to your life. For a list of messages, to stream live services, and for updates about events and more info, visit lifechurchroa.org. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here's this week's message. Good morning. Look at your neighbor and say, it's great to see you this morning. Can I tell you that there are days in the church where the enemy wants to do everything he can to throw us off? Come on, how many of you know you got an enemy and he wants to do everything to throw us off? Well, today has been one of those days, but we're not going to let it happen, okay? I'm just believing that God is going to do some incredible things today because uh, I got to tell you, it's been a morning already. Uh, but that's okay. We are in a series called Unpopular Opinion. We started talking about it this way. We said, the world tells you, Disney tells you, you may tell yourself to follow your heart. That's an unpopular, but the unpopular opinion of that is, is that your heart is deceitful. You shouldn't follow it. It's two weeks ago. Who, who, what should we follow? God. Right? We should, we should seek his wisdom, seek him, seek him, get to know what he wants us to do. Because when we follow our heart, it leads us down paths of destruction. It leads us down some pretty rough patches. And so we give our heart to him and then we follow him. Right? That was the first unpopular opinion. The second one was last week. We started talking about gossip. And let me tell you, I've gotten text messages about last week. And I've had conversations about last week. And you know what? All I really wanted to do in the whole thing was to get you thinking about what comes out of your mouth. Right? Anybody see the picture on Facebook that they chose to use of me this week? Anybody seen that? It looks like this. Okay? And we said that when, when we're faced with speaking gossip, we should shush. And that meant something. It meant that we should maybe say nothing at all, highlight the highs, say good things about people, unleash grace like it's never been unleashed before. Right? Speak to the person, not about the person. And then if all else fails, what are we supposed to do? Honor God with whatever comes out of your mouth. Now, if you, if you weren't here last week and you're like, wait a minute, what does shush have to do with it? I just spelled out shush with those things, right? Say nothing at all, S-H-U-S-H. Say nothing at all. Anybody remember the second one? Y'all don't remember? Oh. <sighs> okay, you got to start taking notes. I need you to remember, okay? Highlight the highs, unleash grace. There you go. Speak to, not about, and honor God. Okay? That's what shush means. When we tell you, when somebody looks at you from Life Church and they say shush, it probably means they think you're gossiping. Okay? Some of y'all did that to me this week. I, pre- I was talking, I preached about it, and you called me out on it. I like it. Doesn't hurt my feelings. You got my permission to call me out on it. Today, we're going to keep talking about gossip, but we're going to do it from the stance of instead of speaking gossip, listening to gossip. Here's what happens. First off, gossip in and of itself is one of the most dangerous sins that is pervasive in the church today. Okay, it's just a reality. But then when you go a little bit deeper, we know we shouldn't be speaking it. But it's really hard to stop listening to it. What if we offend somebody? 
What if, what if somebody doesn't like when I, when I say, ah, you probably shouldn't be saying that? What am I supposed to do? If, if speaking gossip, I'm supposed to shush. What am I supposed to do when somebody is telling me gossip? When, when, the, when the small talk turns from small talk into gossip, how am I supposed to deal with that? What am I supposed to do? Well, anytime we want to know what we're supposed to do about something, we turn to Scripture. So, go ahead and open up your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. It's where we were last week, okay? Uh, we're going to be in the same place this week. We're going to read the same exact scripture. And by now you figured out that gossip is not easy to navigate. In fact, many of you called me and said, you know, I still really don't understand. Or you, you, you stopped me and said, I'm still really trying to figure this thing out. And that's good. I want you to be figuring it out. Because here's the problem. Scripture doesn't just come out and say, this is what gossip is. Don't do it. It says, this is what happens when you gossip. This is what it looks like when you gossip. There's quarreling, there's bickering, there's, there's fighting amongst yourselves when you gossip. There's issues amongst yourselves. Your heart just don't feel right. Anybody ever done something and your heart just don't feel right? Sometimes I do things and I don't even think I'm wrong. I don't even think I'm wrong, but yet my heart just don't feel right. So I call the person and I'm like, hey, I just want you to know that I'm sorry. And like, what are you sorry for? And I'll tell them and they'll be like, I'm not sure why you're sorry for that, but okay. Right? Because sometimes our heart just doesn't feel right. When we, what we said about gossip was that gossip has to do with our heart. And the intentions of our heart. So let's jump in. We're going to start reading Colossians chapter 3. Uh, if you're new here today, thank you for being here today. We uh, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy having guests with us. And, and you're only a guest once. After that, you're family. All right? So next time you come in, you're just going to get a big old hug. Uh, you may have got one when you came in anyways. You never know. Colossians chapter 3. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 17. Lots of scripture, but I want you to pay attention. Hopefully this is beginning to settle in. Paul is writing this book, this letter, from prison. He's been approached by the person who planted the church there. And he's, the guy is telling him about all the good things of the church and all the kind of negative things. And so Paul writes the letter in response to the good and the bad of the church. Sometimes the church needs a letter from somebody to tell them what's going on. Okay? And so Paul sends him a letter. And in, in chapter 3 he says, he says this. And this is one of my, it's becoming one of my favorite verses. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. You want to get excited about something. Get excited about the fact that you're raised to new life. You want to change something, begin to think about the idea that you are raised to new life, that Christ's resurrection okay, means that you don't have to live in the death. We're going to do baptisms later today. We're doing four baptisms. Come on, somebody ought to praise Jesus. Four baptisms today, and if you're sitting here thinking, man, I wish that I got in on that, we can do five. It's fine. Your seats will dry. We've had that happen. This is one of the best times ever. I said, anybody else want to be baptized? Back here in the corner. Jumped up, ran up front, went home soaking wet. <laughs> I love it. We're raised to new life. But you know, there's a, there's a deal with being raised to new life, and Paul's going to tell us, you can't keep living the way that you were. 
See, unpopular opinion says when you get saved, when you get raised to new life, when you get to know Jesus and you become one of his followers, you got to change every aspect of your life. How you spend your money changes. How you talk to your children changes. How you talk to your spouse changes. The way you think changes. What you watch on TV needs to change. The What books you read, what magazines you look at, what websites you go to. It has to change. And Paul's reminding him of that. Don't forget you've been raised to new life, he says. In verse 2 he goes on, he says, Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in His glory. When I want you to pay attention. He says, you've been raised to new life. And when you're raised to new life, verse 5, he says, So, put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. I want you to think about this for a second. I know, I keep stopping. Just put your finger there. We'll get back. We're going to get there. Paul is writing to Christians. He's writing to people who follow Christ. And he's saying, put to death the sinful earthly things lurking inside of you. I'm not a scary movie kind of guy. I don't like jump scares. I don't like being scared. I don't like Halloween. Not for all the reasons you might think I don't like Halloween. I don't like to be scared. Okay, two things in my world I don't like. I don't want to be scared and I don't want to be tickled. I hate both of them with a passion, with a burning passion of a thousand fires. Don't like either one of them. But, I, but when I read this, I think about the fact that there are some scary things that lurk inside of me. And it's only by the grace of God that those scary things don't come out of me. And show up to other people. And so here's what Paul says. Put those things to death. Those scary things. That lurk deep inside of you. By the way, I don't care how long you've been at this. There's some scary things inside of you. Because the enemy is trying his hardest. And he's going to try everything he can to draw that out. And sometimes there are people in our, in our lives that put some scary things in our lives. Paul says, you got to get rid of that thing. Put it to death. You've been raised to new life. Don't let that thing live inside of you. Cut it off. Cut off its circulation. Don't give it breath. Don't give it voice. I'm meddling now. That's a sermon for another day. But if you give something lurking inside of you a voice, you're going to hurt somebody. So watch what you say. That's what we said last week. Shush. He goes on, have nothing, not have a little bit, not it's okay to do this, have nothing to do with sexual morality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of the world. Because of these sins, he says, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things, he says, when your life was still part of this world, but now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malice, behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you've stripped off your old sinful nature and it's all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. 
In this life, it doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. Verse 12, since God chose you to be holy, he loves, or to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, he says. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone. Say anyone. You're not going to like me next week. We're talking about forgiveness next week and the unpopular opinion of forgiveness. You ever heard, uh, I'll forgive but I won't forget? Um, we'll save it for next week, but we're going to attack that. Okay, we're going to fight against that a little bit with the Word of God. Make allowance for each other. Forgive everyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you're called to live in peace and always be thankful. I know it's a lot of scripture, but give me two more verses. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Come on, let that settle in for a second. This is, this is where we're at right now. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Gossip, while not specifically named here, is a part of this mess of things we find ourselves in a lot of times that he's talking to the Colossians about. It's about how we use our mouth to attack people. It, it, gossip ends up being a way that we attack people. Last week we said uh, that gossip, we defined gossip this way. Sinful gossip is bearing bad news behind someone's back out of a bad heart. And all three of those things need to be true. We, we talked about what it, meant to, what it means to bear bad news. We talked about what it means to be behind someone's back and out of a bad heart. So if you missed that, I want you to go back and watch it because this is important to how we reach our world. Our world needs to see that our words are different than, the, than those that are in the world. That we don't talk about people the same way that everyone else talks about people. Our world needs to hear us. Shush. That sounds kind of weird, doesn't it? But they need that. They need to know that we are more like Jesus than we are like them. Okay? That's how we reach the world, being more like Christ, not being more like the world. And so when we talk about gossip, we got to understand this is important and it becomes something that we have to dig into. It is common and extremely dangerous in the church and the world. And speaking it is a sin, and so is listening to it. We have to address this because it's one of, if not the most overlooked sins in our lives. It's a weed. I said this last week. It's a weed that, if allowed, will take root and plague us. And there's no good fruit until there's no good fruit in our lives. Proverbs 18, 8 and 26, 22 says this. The words of a gossip are like, a, are, are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost parts. Choice morsels are tasty things that we want to devour quickly. And what we said last week was that not only we want to devour them, but we want other people to devour them. They're the best, most attractive, addictive things. 
That's what gossip is like according to Proverbs. So how do we keep from craving those morsels? Not just how do we keep from spitting them out. How do we keep from giving them to people? But how do we stop the craving inside of us? What do we need to put to death? Right, it's what Paul said. Put to death those sinful earthly things. Then he said at the end, let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. So we're going to do that today. We're going to teach and counsel with all wisdom, with all the wisdom that we can get from the Word of God. Listening's not a bad thing, right? Anybody like it when people listen to you? I've got three kids. I love it when they listen to me. But they don't always do it, but I love it when they do. It's a good thing to listen. It's a good thing to, to be able to talk to people and be able to encounter people. In fact, listening is a way that we love each other. You ever had somebody just sit down and say, I just need somebody to talk to? You ever felt that way? Listening is a way that we love each other. The problem is, we don't always listen in good ways. In Scripture, in James chapter 1, verse 19, James writes, Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Listening is important, and we're supposed to do it regularly, but there's an evil kind of listening, a craving, right? There's something lurking inside of us that if we're not careful, comes out, and it receives gossip. We like it, right? When we know something bad about somebody, sometimes we crave to hear a little bit more. You ever had somebody start telling you something, and it's just getting juicy, and they're like, oh, I probably shouldn't say anything. What do you do? Ah, come on, you already started. You may as well tell me now. Am I the only one that does that? Are y'all awake this morning? I need to know that I'm not the only sinner in the building. <laughs> right? I mean, I do it. I want to know after you started, you know, got me there, right? You let me taste it. Now you got to finish. How crazy would it be if we just stopped somebody and be like, when they, when they do that, be like, you know what? I'm, pr- I'm proud of you for doing that. Thank you for not, make, for, not, for not sinning yourself or making me a sinner also. They'd be like, What? How we're listening is determined by why we're listening. Remember, we're coming back to the attitude of our heart here. The key is to listen in love. Ephesians 5 verses 1 and 2 says, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Our listening, church, has to be governed by Christ-like love. You know what, I, I, said this, I said something similar to this last week. When you're in a room and you hear my name, I want you to love me enough that if something comes out of somebody's mouth that shouldn't come out of somebody's mouth, that you're willing to say, mm, hold on. Not, not on the other side of, well, I can believe that about Pastor Josh. He kind of he left me hanging one day too, right? Not, well, I can believe that about Pastor Josh. He, you know, he's not my favorite person either. I want somebody to be like, no, nah, that ain't true. I don't believe that for one second. And even if it turns out to be true, you're willing to give me grace to love me through it. Right? Come on. I'm talking about unleashing real grace. I'm talking about being able, when I get to the points of this message, you're going to be like, uh, pastor. And so I'm setting this up because I don't want you to, I don't want you to yell at me after service. When I get to the steps, the things that we're supposed to do to stop listening, you're going to hear one of them. You're going to be like, ah. But it's scripture. 
I ain't right. You can take it up with Jesus. It's the best part about preaching. I get up here and say what, say what God tells me to say, and you got to take it up with him. We have to do this in love. Ephesians 5 goes on to call us children of the light and tells us not to partner with darkness. In it, like in Colossians, Paul admonishes us to lay aside the ways of the world. He says, don't be deceived right, by empty words. And gossip is empty words. Right after Paul says this, he quotes what is likely an early church chorus. He says, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Some of us, Far too many of us have fallen asleep in this area. We're lulled by this lullaby of the enemy. It's the power that gossip brings. It's what we want to hear. We crave it. It's those choice morsels. Paul says you got to let those things go. He says wake up sleeper. We can do a lot in our sleep. You may think, well, I can't gossip in my sleep. I'm not really asleep spiritually. Well, I don't know about you, but I know people who can speak in their sleep, hear in their sleep, walk in their sleep, sing in their sleep, think in their sleep. Spiritually, we can gossip in our sleep. Paul's telling us to wake up. Listening to gossip is a sin committed in our sleep. But when we walk in the light, when we're resurrected, when we're awake, Come on. So if we're supposed to shush to help us stop speaking gossip, what do we do to help us stop listening to it? Well, if you're taking notes, write this down. To stop listening to gossip requires wisdom. It requires wisdom. Now, if you think I'm going to go down and spell wisdom for you, that's way too many points. I'm not going to do that. But write this down. It requires wisdom. We need the wisdom of God. If we're going to confront people, if we're going to stop listening to gossip, I need to be led by the Holy Spirit. How many of you are thankful that you don't have to live life without the Holy Spirit? For those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, Jesus said that he was sending someone to come guide you, to come help you, to come help us live this life. And we call it the Holy Spirit, and i got to be in tune. I need the Holy Spirit to call me out on some things. I need the Holy Spirit to be there when I'm talking to people. I need the Holy Spirit to be there when I'm talking about people. Because my goal is to be more like Christ, and to be more like Christ, I need somebody who's telling me something who's telling me, hey, wait a minute, that probably isn't something Jesus would do. And so when we talk about this wisdom, we don't have to live life, right? When we're faced with gossip, we need wisdom and discernment. Thankfully, we're not alone. We're children of the light, and we have the Holy Spirit living within us. The, the, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. The Spirit loves to give us wisdom when we need it. In fact, James, the brother of Jesus, wrote that all you got to do when you want wisdom is ask for it. In fact, you don't have it because you don't ask, he says. And so here we are today talking about gossip, and all I can do when I'm sitting preparing for this message is say, God, I need wisdom because I fail at this every day. I told you, I don't ever preach at you. I'm always preaching to myself, and you're just hearing it come out. And so there's some things we can do. We've got five practices here that the Bible tells us is wisdom when resisting gossip. Okay? And and some of them are going to seem really obvious, but we don't always do them. Listen, here's where you write stuff down. Okay? 
If you, if you don't have, if you don't have, I told you last week or a couple weeks ago, this is the one time I'm going to give you permission to use those envelopes if you didn't bring paper. Grab one, rip it open, and start writing it down. Okay? You need wisdom if you're going to resist gossip. And the first thing wisdom tells us that we can do is pray. We should have this inner dialogue going on with the Lord at all times. In fact, First Thessalonians 5.17 says to pray, how often? Continually, all the time. Now, that doesn't mean you have to be down here at the altar on your knees praying all the time. That's okay if you want to do that. But, it, but what it means really is that when you're going throughout your day, you're making sure to be listening for the Holy Spirit. When somebody begins to say something to you and it starts to feel off, you're saying, okay, God, I need to know what to do here. I need your wisdom. I need your help. Because I don't want to offend this person, but also there's something off here. There's something wrong here. We should be in constant contact, especially in times and situations when we think we're getting into trouble. And it's easy, right? We can, all we really need to do is think this. Jesus, please give me wisdom, will you? Just give me wisdom. And often we don't have the wisdom we need because we don't ask. It's simple. Prayer is not a hard thing. It's just me thinking something. God is always with me. He's always hearing me. And then it's me listening for His response. God, give me wisdom as I'm talking to this person. Give me wisdom as I'm hearing this thing. Help me discern and break down and make a decision about what needs to happen. By the way, you make decisions all day long that fast. And the decision to listen to something bad about someone behind their back out of a bad heart happens that fast. Because they're choice morsels. We like them. So the first thing we can do when we're resisting gossip is we got to be in prayer. And I'm talking about prayer all the time. Every step you take. Everything you're doing throughout the day. Your boss comes in yelling at you. You ought to be thinking, Jesus, give me the wisdom. Because if, if you don't give me wisdom, I might get up and punch this guy. Anybody ever felt that? Don't raise your hand. Especially if you work here. So we got to pray. Second thing, to resist gossip. You ready? After you pray, ponder. Spend some time thinking about what God's saying to you. After you pray, you need to ponder. As we pray and we're listening for God's answer, we need to ponder carefully what we hear. Proverbs 15, 28 says, The heart of the righteous weighs its answers, but the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. You ever said something and wish you could get it back? We call them toothpaste words. We do a lot of premarital counseling, and one of the first things we, we talk about are toothpaste words, words that you're not bouncing back from. And, I don't, and, and there's no condemnation in this, but Casey and I have set some of those words. And, and for me, the word divorce is one of those words. We, I don't care how mad we are at each other, I can't hear that word. I can't say it. If we're fighting, that can't come up. You can say a lot of other things. You can call me fat, ugly, all kinds of stuff. But I don't want that word to be uttered. There are some things we say about people to people and hear about people we can't get back. We can't take back. It's hard. So you need to be thinking about those things because the heart of the righteous weighs answers. 
This is one of those think-before-you-speak proverbs. The wicked person says whatever comes to their mind, the righteous person ponders, considers, and then weighs out what they're going to think about this thing that was said or what they're going to say. As people talk to us, we need to ponder what's being said in our minds. This is called discernment. It's the, the reality. We can discern the reality of a situation. And it doesn't take us long to do it. Often we don't have to ponder for a long time in order to make a decision as to what is going on. In fact, most of the time we do it on the fly. If something we're told does begin to seem like gossip, then we have to take action. Not just passively receive what's being told to us. So what can we do? Well, that's our next thing. The next thing we can do after we pray and ponder is we can pass. We say, pass. Say it with me, pass. Come on, I need to know you're awake. Pass. You can walk past somebody and not talk to them. You can avoid somebody. It's okay. I'm not saying that to do that to everybody. I'm not saying to do it all the time. But it is possible that if you know when you talk to that person, all you're going to get is gossip, you can walk on the other side of the street. Maybe today is just the day that you know you're weak enough that you'll receive it. Maybe today is the day that I know that I want to hear something bad. I need to hear something bad because it makes me feel good. Proverbs 20, 19 says, A gossip betrays a confidence, so avoid a man who talks too much. I didn't write it. <laughs> I didn't even inspire it. God did that. Don't go near a gossip or pass by. Get away from the person. You and I might need to skip out on some social situations here if we know that all we hear in them is sinful gossip. It might be a sacrifice, but it's going to be worth it. We're trying to be more like Christ. I'm not saying avoid everybody. Some of you are like, Pastor just told me I don't have to talk to people. That ain't what I said. I'm saying there are some days where you need to avoid people because you're weak. There are some days you need to avoid people because they're weak. There are some people you need to avoid for a little bit and then have a conversation with and say, you know what, I like hanging out with you, but I'm not buddy perfect. And I've got my issues too. But how we talk about people matters. We don't like to have those kind of conversations today. We don't like to, to be in conflict. This proverb also applies, by the way, to the gossip column, gossip television show, gossip blog, gossip magazine, gossip channel, gossip Facebook page, gossip Instagram, gossip YouTube video. Those things aren't good for our souls. They're just not good for us. We need to pass on them. We need to avoid them. We need to get away from them. Especially if we're not strong enough. Especially if we're craving it. We got to walk away from it. We are new creations, resurrected out of an old life. And those evil things lurking inside of, of us need to be put to death. What if it's somebody I can't pass on? What if it's somebody I can't avoid? You can't pass on the person or situation, then pass on the conversation by redirecting it. You ever got a question from one of your kids and you didn't want to answer it, so you just kind of redirected them? Sometimes it's too early in their development to answer some of those questions. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Sometimes you just don't feel like doing it. You don't feel like answering it or you don't think you have the right answer. So you deflect them a little bit. 
Sometimes mom needs to answer the question. I ain't afraid of most questions, but my wife is the medical one. So I'm throwing around words like EKG, CAT scan, all that stuff. I don't know what I'm talking about. And so medical questions go to mom. Sometimes you can't pass on conversations, but you can redirect. Proverbs 26, 20 says, without wood, a fire goes out. Without gossip, a quarrel dies down. Sometimes just removing the gossip can change the temperature in the room. Gossip lights the fires. It starts to get hot. People start to sweat. Let me tell you a secret. If somebody's willing to talk about someone to you, they are willing to talk about you to someone. So we're redirecting conversations. We're trying to pass. So we can pray, we can ponder, we can pass. This is the one that I'm not sure everybody's going to like because I don't like it. By the way, sometimes scripture says things I don't like. Okay? Proverbs 17, 9 says, He who covers over an offense promotes love, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. We're going to call that one wisdom when resisting gossip we can protect. I'm going to explain this, right? The opposite of gossip, gossiping about someone is covering or protecting someone. Proverbs 10, 12 also says, Hatred stirs up dissension, but love, excuse me, love covers over all wrongs. What does it mean to cover or protect over all wrongs? It doesn't mean to pretend like something isn't happening. I'm not telling you to pretend like somebody's not doing something or pretend like somebody's not having an issue. Or to sweep something under the rug. The Bible in no way gives people a blank check. And sin definitely needs to be confronted. But Proverbs is talking about people who are uninvolved in the matter overlooking the offense. Have you ever gotten mad for somebody else and it had nothing to do with you? And now all of a sudden you're spreading gossip about somebody and you ain't even in the situation? I have. This is what we're talking about. In those situations, we're to, we need to cover and protect. Does truth need to come out? Absolutely. If truth needs to come out, if things need to be confronted, we're talking about confronting them. But it doesn't mean that everybody in the world has to know every single thing that's happened. Proverbs is talking about people who are uninvolved in the matter overlooking the offense. Protecting or covering means covering over a wrong. Drawing a veil over it is what the word literally means. So that those who don't need to see it never do. Not every sin or issue that somebody has is for me to know. To walk through things with them instead of kicking them while they're down. That's what covering and protecting means. Maybe somebody is going through something. But instead of going and talking about them, how about I walk through it with them? We can be honest and not join in with others who are attempting to drag someone down. This can also mean, by the way, defending someone when you know what's being said is a lie. Can I, can I just share something with you? In, the, in this past year, about it, almost a year ago exactly, 
couple months, it'll be a year. Uh, and what sparked this conversation that we're having about gossip is because I had somebody say something about me or supposedly say something about me that someone grabbed a hold of then began to repeat. And it had potential to be very dangerous for me and for the people that it was being repeated to. And I got to tell you, one of the things that saddened me the most was that A, it was a lie. If it, if, it, if it was said, it was a lie. And B, the person and the people. Initially, there was no protection. Now, I finally got to some people who did, and it was one of the joys that I had through the whole situation was that it finally got to a person who was like, that doesn't sound like the guy that I know. Now, I realized the potential danger. Remember, we said it's like stepping on a landmine. It isn't just going to hurt you. It's going to hurt those around you. That's what gossip is like. And I remember when somebody covered me in the moment. It was the only thing that got me through it. It was the only thing that, that helped me continue to walk through the situation and try to handle it in a way that was, that was God-honoring. Because how many of you know, once you get to that place, you don't want to honor anybody. You want to fight for your reputation. You want to fight for all these things. But when you realize that there are people who are covering you, even if you're wrong, they're going to love you through the wrong. They're not going to lie to you and tell you you're right. They're going to walk with you through the mud. That's what I mean by protect. I mean, don't just throw somebody out because you heard something about them. So we can pray, we can ponder, we can pass, we can protect, and finally today as we're new creations made alive in Christ and by the way all of these things are things we can see that Jesus did in his lifetime we can proceed we can go to the person sometimes the best thing you can do is go directly to the one being talked about if you hear a story about someone don't just receive it if you think you need someone uh, if you think you need to know, okay, or they need to know that this is being said or you need to know whether or not it's true, go directly to the person. Proceed directly to them. Don't, don't go and ask somebody else about it. Don't be like, you know, I heard this. What did you hear? Just go to the person. Proceed directly to them. It's even more important if the person has sinned against you. Jesus says, if your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you have won your brother over. Now, there are two ways to proceed. We can proceed together. The person who's telling me the thing. So Paul, Paul's telling me something about you. And I'm like, hey, let's go talk to the person because I'm not sure about that. That's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable, but... It's wisdom because we can, we can get rid of this thing right now. So if someone starts complaining to you about someone else, it's good to ask the complainer if they've talked about the problem directly with the person they're talking about. If not, tell them you'll go with them. But you don't think you should listen to any more until that happens. I, I'm talking about hard stuff. 
It's so much easier just to be like, all right, yeah, let me receive that. Those choice morsels taste good. And this can get messy, but remember, we're putting to death the earthly things that lurk inside of us. And we're being raised to new life, and darkness and light will always fight each other. It's always messy. If the other person will not go with you, then the way you proceed is alone. It's loving someone to tell a person that others are gossiping about them. And here, here's, the, here's, the, here's the kicker, though. You need to make sure you're going with the right heart. See, all this comes down to the intention of our heart. It's why I can't just tell you, don't do this, don't do that. It's why I can only give you wisdom. Pray, ponder, pass. Protect and proceed. So all we can do is turn to the word and say, what does the word have to say about this? Because it's so easy for us to do it, to share too much. So we got to do this carefully so that we don't end up gossiping about the person who's been, been gossiping. Be aware of your heart and keep an eye on your motivations. It's a good opportunity for you to use shush. Say only what you have to. Resisting gossip, church, requires wisdom and love. It requires that we stop and think a little bit. That we ask God what he would have us to do. That we're protecting people, protecting each other. across the room, I'd like for you to bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. We've got some exciting stuff coming up with baptisms, but I have a challenge for you. heads bowed and eyes closed. I just wonder if there's anybody in the room that would say, you know what, I hear what you're saying and I'm guilty of listening to gossip this morning. I haven't really taken the steps to be wise in that and so I just want to acknowledge that I'm guilty and say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to repent of this today. I'm going to ask Jesus to put these steps into my life, to help me place them in my life, that I would pray, that I would ponder on these things, that I would pass and avoid certain things, certain people even for a season if I have to, that I would protect those who are being gossiped about, not in a way that pretends like nothing is happening, but in a, in a way that brings honor to God. And that, in, that choosing, I would choose to proceed to go to people and in love help them walk through this because I'm a new creation I'm resurrected and the earthly things that lurk inside of me need to be put to death with heads bowed and eyes closed if you would say you know what that's me today and I just I want to take some action to respond to the word of God I just want you to slip your hand up I need to repent I'm asking God to forgive me today because there's been some gossip in my life. You're not going to be alone. There's hands up all around the building. Anybody else? 
All right, you can put them back down. Jesus, you saw every hand. You know every heart in this place. Lord, your word is clear. Your word tells us and leads us and guides us today. And so, Father, help us. Forgive us. First, forgive us, Lord. We know that you died so that we could be forgiven of our sins, so that we could turn to you and turn away from these things that would keep us separated from you. And so today, Lord, we choose to turn away from gossip. We choose to resist it with everything we've got. To shush. And Father, to to operate in the wisdom that you've given us. Lord, today we love you and praise you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. If you're here today, heads bowed and eyes closed still. If you're here today and You've heard us talk about Jesus and about living differently and what it means to be raised to new life. When Paul said that, he was talking to people who had given their lives to Jesus, who had chose to follow him to be disciples of Jesus Christ. And the result of that decision is that they will never be separated from the presence of God. They won't have to endure eternity without God. They don't have to face hell. They don't have to face any of that. The decision to follow Christ puts us in a place where we always have him there with us and that for eternity we will be in his presence. Yesterday we laid to rest Jean Purdue, and she, when she passed from this earth, she immediately was in the presence of God. No more suffering, no more pain, no more agony. Her faithfulness met by God's faithfulness as she entered into her promise. And as we, as we talked about her life and we talked about her and all the things that she had been through, I considered all the things I've been through and how the knowing that God has been there the entire time has helped me get through it. And wondering how anyone could live without the hope of Jesus. So this morning, I believe he is offering you a free gift of salvation. He says, if you want eternity, I've got it. If you don't want to be separated from the presence of God, that's the scary part about hell. That Listen, we talk about hell and we know there's fire and we know there's pain and we know there's agony, but it's the separation from God. Because we've never experienced that in our lifetime fully. If you would say to me, I want to know that I'm going to be that I'm going to be in heaven with him, that if I were to die, I'm going to enter into his presence. Now I want to accept Jesus as my Savior, maybe for the first time, or maybe today you've done it a bunch or before, and you just want to know today. When Paul said you were resurrected to new life, you want that new life. That's you, heads bowed and eyes closed. Just want you to slip up your hand. Anybody in the room? I got you. I got you. Come on, that's a reason to celebrate. I got you. 
If you raised your hand, I'm gonna I'm gonna say a very simple prayer, and I want you to pray your version of it. You don't have to repeat after me any of that. You and Jesus right now. Very simple, okay? That you would say, Jesus, I know that you died for me. I know that you rose again. I'm choosing today to believe that you came to save me. And Father, I need to be saved. Forgive me of my sins. And make me into the person that you want me to be. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. Don't forget to visit us at LifeChurchROA on Instagram and Facebook for updates, service times, and ways to get involved. If you made a decision to follow Jesus today, we would love to partner with you on your next steps. Visit LifeChurchROA.org slash Jesus to learn more. We love you and we can't wait to see you soon.